Welcome to the jungle, the Auburn men's basketball podcast. Seven footer Kessler with the screen, gets it back, goes right down the lane. Auburn men, talking Auburn men's basketball. Katie Johnson over Gibson. No frills, no gimmicks, just ball. Jabari Smith left wide open. Now, here's your hosts, Matt Donaldson and Jackson Garrett. Yes, all right, kick him in the butt, Big Blue, Auburn, Raymer, Jammer, Yellow Hammer, go to hell, Alabama, two times in a row this season. I got a little bit of this baby right here, a little broom for a little bit of a sweep. If you see it on YouTube, I got it out, baby. We just won by 19 points. We dropped 100 on them, baby. Before we get too far into it, you might have noticed we got a new intro, and I want to thank my friend Ben Young for putting that together up. An Auburn alumni that goes back all the way since we were were kids, and he's a he got a theater degree from Auburn. Is doing living the dream in New York, so I really thank him for taking his time to put that together for us. Also, want to tease a little bit later this week. We have a big interview coming up with a former Auburn legend from the team that also is still working with the team today. I'm not going to say his name. We'll make sure it's going to happen, but leave it in the chat. Leave it in the like DM us who you think we're going to interview on Thursday. It's going to be a big one. We're very excited. Oh, man, what a game. You love beating Bama no matter what. They tried to make it a little thrilling in there, but, man, we dropped 100 points on our rival, a team that's beaten Baylor, Gonzaga, uh, Houston, all these top five, top ten teams. We just showed them what can happen when the refs aren't taking Kessler out of the game. When we're playing our best game, we can score 100 points on a team like this. What do you think, Matt? Uh, it, was, it was a great game. Um, there's a lot of things we'll get into great performance. When you go up, <laughs> Jackson's just going to be playing with the broom the whole episode. We so sweeping baby. It's a sweep. <laughs> if you saw it, Bruce was uh, doing the crane kick. He had a broom on court. So we're just going to, and he, he said before the, the game, you know, the win in Tuscaloosa only matters if you win at home and secure that sweep. We got swept last year by them when in our terrible year, um, this is a great response for the rivalry for Auburn kind of reestablishing itself to, I mean, all the things on the line, but this is about just beating them and Alabama's a scary opponent. Uh, don't let our students who I love dearly chanting NIT, uh, confuse you. This is a team that is probably like a five seed right now in the NCAA tournament, despite all their bad losses, because the only time they've lost to a ranked team this year is twice to Auburn. They've won four or five games against ranked teams, but they haven't been able to get over the hump against us. It feels great, and I can't wait to talk about it for the next hour or so. They, they might have been heading to NIT, but they, they, it's so frustrating to watch them because they beat Baylor last week, and they were trending so down, lost at Georgia, one of the worst teams in the league. They lost a bunch of bad games, around, and then you go out and you beat Baylor, and like, their reputation's kind of rehabbed back from, like, okay, they had some big wins early in the season, but they suck now to, okay, they're just super up and down. I'm glad we could shut the door kind of a little bit on that narrative because if they'd beaten us in this one, their narrative would have been ridiculous just so hard to handle. It would have been one of those teams that people just all want to pick as the trendy pick for the final four, no matter what their seed is. So I'm glad we kind of slammed that and be like, nah, not us. Maybe some of the other pretender teams out there, they did this too, but not us. Uh, it was a crazy one, man. They really had to try to, we went up, not necessarily early. They, they, they fought both times. The guards had some really good defense. We kind of got the lead going, going, going. And then they started hitting all their threes. That's a big thing with Bama was hitting their threes. 
it was they, they shoot a ton of them they kind of reminded me a little bit and not to like disrespect our I don't ever want to compare our teams to theirs necessarily but like they had two great guys on this team Shackelford and Quinterly yep. they hit a ton of threes or not I could only hit two threes but Shackelford at five he was a problem I got to give him a shout out that he man he was all over the place you could tell how exhausted he was getting though how much like the team was on his back a little bit like our final four teams they're going to shoot so many threes they're going to like yep they hit more their three percentage was higher than their full percentage but so if it's on it's on it's all it's off so you're worried the entire game they they bring the lead back to pretty like 11 i think at halftime when they were up we were up 20 at one point kind of like let's make sure we get it right it was it was about 19 or 20 uh we kind of let it slip it got to 14 at halftime and then you blinked in the beginning of the half they got it down to two and we'll talk about some of the stuff but then auburn quickly got back up to 20 i mean that says a lot about this team to be up by 20 to you see Alabama go on a run similar to how they did in the uh, game in Tuscaloosa, but Auburn just punched right back. We've seen this team get punched in the face so many times, different ways. And you could just tell this crowd, this team wasn't going to be denied even when it got tight there uh, early in the second half. It kind of went the way you, if you're the other team, if you're down 20 with a couple minutes left in the second half, you're telling yourself, you're telling your team, just get it down to around 10. Try to get it down to 10. That's a reasonable, yep. like, come back and second half. So it's a kind of frustrating. We were, like, monstering them up by 20, and then we just kind of took the foot off the gas, some turnovers, got a little sloppy. They got hot from three. That was probably the biggest thing is you just know this team, this Bama team's going to get hot from three eventually at some point just because they shoot so many of them at this point. Yep. So they started hitting them. We got sloppy. You go, oh, crap. Well, they got down to kind of what, like, it felt like they like won their little bit of the game at that part. And you're like, all right, well, as long as you don't come out cold in the second half and don't, cause that's the, the game. Like, all right, let's get down to 10 and we come out in the second half. Let's go hard at them and, and like, take it from there. Well, that's what they did again. They came out hot from three again, turning us over. We couldn't seem to make a shot to start the half, but you're right. Luckily this team's too deep. They like yeah. didn't play as many players. It felt like they were running Shackelford all over the place the entire time. And it feels like our depth really showed like, and we had such a spread out game. So many different players had a good game. And it just spread the entire court. There's two reasons we won this game, in my mind. Pithy take, okay? Number one, they had two players who were threats. We have at least five or six that we'll talk about when we go do our rundown. We just had more weapons. And, and Alabama played their tails off defensively in a two-stretch – to really begin both halves. They kind of did, you could tell they were into us. They knew our sets. They knew kind of what we're trying to do, but they just couldn't sustain it. We, we had the game up and down, especially in the first half. And I just think, again, our depth continues to play. And then a brilliant move. Maybe you could say it's an easy move because Alabama was hitting everything, but Bruce goes to his zone and they never solved that one. It's a two, three, but they start out with two guards, one in the middle, one at the free throw line. And we've never played that great. But, man, it gave them a different look. It allowed Kessler to be waiting for those drives inside, and it completely shifted the game. Alabama couldn't do anything with it the rest of the game every time we played it. Yeah, I couldn't tell when I – I mean, it was very obvious when we switched that zone. It was it was clever, and it was also a time where it felt like I think we hit a shot or two before that where it was like, all right, it already kind of – it was like it almost felt 50-50 where it was like, glad we switched to the zone to change things up on defense. I think I'd maybe texted you even like, okay, our offense has picked it back up a little bit. But really, I'm concerned about what the defense is going to do next because we had already had a couple times where we'd hit a shot and they hit a shot and say, all right, let's not do that. Let's hit a shot and then them not hit a shot. And right about that same time, we switched the zone and they just went ice cold. I think it was about 50% that zone and 50% like they were just red hot and they were due to miss a couple shots. And so 
I, I still love it. I still love when they do the little switch up to man or zone when the other team starts getting hot. It just freaks them out. Usually it's almost as good as taking a heat check timeout if you can pull it off during the well, uh, you know. And just to make a nerdy point real quick, the, the the zone is risky in a lot of ways against a good shooting team because you're actually going to let good shooters spot up and get open looks. That's kind of one of the dangers of playing a zone. But what does Alabama want to do? They want to get to the rim, get fouled, get a layup, get a floater, or take a three. They don't want any, they, they're kind of the NBA analytics model. Like they never want to take a mid-range shot. Um, so a zone actually does that beautifully when you have the best rim protector in America and Walker Kessler waiting inside for your drives. And you've got your four perimeter guys scrambling to three-point shooters. What that zone did, it pushed their shooters back further. They got open looks, but they were deeper. And um, it was just, a, it was well-timed, maybe a few possessions late, Bruce might say. He might've wanted to go to it a little sooner. But um, again, how many different ways can this team win a game? Um, five threes made tonight. They score 100 points. And then that defensive switch, I don't remember a game this year where our zone single-handedly kind of flipped the script of the game. So it's just, it, again, we just keep stacking different ways. Well, we usually get to it a little earlier, but I think it's time for a very epic MVP discussion here. Yes. Uh, five different players scored in double digits. We really felt like we had a game where it was – the offense as a whole for the most part, but I think it turns into looking like an offensive whole because two players on this team had such a good game and played so well that made everyone else look better around them. And it's Wendell Green and Walker Kessler. And I'll start off with a little bit that Wendell came out hot. Wendell, man, he had an amazing game, the Bama game. One of our easier MVPs was, was Wendell in that, in that Bama game, which is so good at uh, 19 points. There. In fact, wait, did he? Yeah, he got, he got MVP in that one, right? I'm pretty sure, yeah. It was it Jabari, actually, now that I think about it? Oh, no, that was the Jabari game, wasn't it? Where he went off, right. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, podcast family. I, I was going, I was about to sound like a real idiot there. Uh, Wendell had an amazing game against Bama either way. And, you know, anyway, so it's great to have Wendell come back and have another basic game. Played super hot, super strong, making some amazing passes, stirring the drink, making this offense go. We really seem to have a strategy that I hope we keep doing all year at this point, that even if the game is not, like naturally turning into a fast-paced game, we are pushing and making it a fast-paced game. And we did that a lot this game. If they missed a shot, if we got the ball events, Wendell was flashing up the court. And it worked out really great because he has turned up his assist game so well. The other guy, Walker Kessler, just let me say a stat line. This is how different it is because Walker Kessler, or Wendell started the game so hot. And he kept hot most of the game. But I was texting, texting Matt with five minutes left that Walker Kessler's coming for Wendell's MVP. Because, damn, this stat line, 14 points, eight blocks, four steals, 12 rebounds, two blocks away from a triple-double. He almost had one block away, but Jabari Faber, he got a block right after the foul call. Man, I hope they find another two on the stat sheet. I know it's easy to find one rebound on the stat sheet, maybe somebody, you know, a little Hollywood accounting on the stat sheet. But it's hard not to give an MVP to someone that's that close to a triple-double. Four steals, eight blocks, 14 points, 12 rebounds. I mean, he's come so far. And his it's not just like alley-oops. It's not just dunks that are being fed to him. He's starting to make some really good offensive plays off rebounds and kind of like he had a really great down-the-lane dunk that J.D. Davidson just got out of the way. He's playing amazing defense. He alters every shot that he doesn't get a block on. This is what's going to happen. He held this energy in because he got fouled out in that Alabama game that was bull crap. And so he held that energy in and exploded in this game. So it's going to be tough. We're going to have to have a discussion here. Yeah. Um, 
my, my, by the way, I always like to give my dad's update. He's, he texts me now after every game, which is hilarious. But uh, he, he, he votes for dual MVPs. I, I don't think we want to do that. So um, I do have a live update, by the way. Alabama turned off their comments on their Twitter page after posting the final. So that no, is gonna- the cowards. The cowards. cowards. Holy crap. I, they, we know Alabama is is just one of those kind of universities that can't handle the heat when it comes at them. But this is next level. So, Come on. You know the heat's going to be quadrupled because you're you're going to be a national. Like it's, it's one thing when we are doing it and think it's hilarious. When you turn the comments off, that turns it into like a newsworthy go, story. Go, yeah. ask, go ask Murray State how that went for them. Uh, it eventually turned into a beautiful story, but for a few weeks there, Auburn was just following Murray State Twitter everywhere they went and giving them giving them a lot of tra- crap. So um, Wow, they turned the comments off. So They're, They have 2,418 retweets right now. So it looks like they're going with the, we- the retweets to do this, but oof. This is going to be um, – some people are going to be staying up late tonight roasting this team. Man. Yeah, no, it's – um. anyway, so I didn't mean to interrupt. MVP, it's a great debate, like you said. If you wanted to look at negatives, okay, if you wanted to look at negatives, you talked about all the the, the awesome stuff. Kessler had four turnovers, um, had a few just – he got trapped and kind of um, attacked sometimes with the ball, gave it up. Uh, Wendell took some really bad threes, which we know he's going to do at times, but he didn't even come close to hitting them. But I will say the reason it's these two players, it's the stats, but it's also the flow of the game. I thought I loved having Jay Billis do the game. I think he's really good. And he just immediately from film study and also seeing it live is just like this whole game changes when Wendell Green comes in the game. We've seen it time and time again. By the way, we just had to back up a week ago tonight. He went down with that bang knees injury and everybody was scared for a few minutes. And he looked he didn't look quite right in the Oklahoma game. Well, he looked right tonight. So that's terrific. I, I, it to me, it was Wendell's MVP all the way because he just he stirred the drink. He did everything right. He had the passes. He hit the key shots. He's fearless. Um, he he, you know, Alabama's guards were really trying to be physical and aggressive with us. He was able to take it and and you know when they would over push on him, he would get in front of them and make a play. Um, but man, Kessler, like, I, I'm surprised you're so certain about this. 14 rebounds. I'm not. 12 I'm not. rebounds, 14 points, eight blocks, four steals. Go put the steals on top. We saw some big steals from him tonight. His hands were great out there. Come on. But but six assists from Wendell Green, eight rebounds. Well, no, if it was 10, I would be like, okay, okay. But I come mean, on. Well, I mean. We, we make, we, Walker makes up for that with eight blocks. I feel like assists and blocks with Walker is almost like a similar thing. And then you have four steals. 12 rebounds, 14 points. They're, they were scared to death to go down there. The blocks he made tonight, too, he was just – it's crazy. Like, we've never seen anything like this. But there was – people were showing – he blocked a floater near the end of the game. That was like – he was getting to things that were – and then he should have had – now that I think about – he should have had a triple-double. If Jabari didn't foul right there, he would have gotten his ninth. And guess what? He had a clean block that they called a foul on. No one, even the announcers, were like – so at first they said, okay, maybe they got, he got him with the body. They showed the replay. He didn't get him with the body. He didn't get him with the hands. It should have been a triple double and you wouldn't have been saying anything. You would be like, all right, sorry, Wendell. No, no I still would have, because I, I, by the way, I'm not certain of anything. I, I think this is probably one of the hardest ones we've had. I just think Wendell, how many points of Kessler did Wendell give him? Mm. How many. It was um, an amazing wraparound one that he gave. Yeah. It was just incredible. 
and, and it wasn't as much of the lob, you know, variety as it has. But I think teams are starting to try to take yeah. that away, opening up other things. I don't know. I don't know exactly what they're – maybe it's opening up these these drives. Maybe we go back the other way. Yep. Hessler's such a threat on these lobs that Wendell's getting these drives because we've seen some other games where Wendell and KD and them struggle to get those drives in. And what a big difference it is when Wendell is going in there and getting those drives. And you know why? Now, think about it. It's probably because they're so afraid of the lob from Kessler. You have to give up one or the other, you know? It is. No, you're right. And, and Bruce keeps saying, what are you going to do? You've got Wendell coming downhill, Kessler going for the lob, and Jabari and KD on the wing in the corner. You And, and if they miss, Cambridge is going to get the offensive rebounds. <laughs> so, I mean, now, having said that, I think Alabama made some good adjustments that we had to figure out. Anyway, MVP, I, I'm, I'm still not – so, I mean, it's hard. I say, I say that we try our very, very, very best to pick an MVP because the discussion's good. We had the discussion. I know. Let's I keep think going. you got to do it. I think you got to give the duel, right? It, it feels like a duel one to me. Um, I think it, it's not just that they both like played equally good. They both played amazing. Terrific. A great game where he scored 100. I don't want to do this all the time, no. but I think they, it, I just cannot take it away from either other guy. And I know how important it is to these players. I know when they listen in after every game, it's like, <laughs> who they put, they put, they're checking their Twitters and their Instagrams are saying, who did Jackson and Matt pit for MVP? It's going to, it's going to bother me. You know, I say we do it for the kids, Matt. It's, look, it's the, it's, we swept Alabama. The rules go out the window. We don't care. Thank goodness. Both of these kids, and, and just to wrap it up, I'm cool with dual MVPs. To wrap it up, think about what the, 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 sorry, the narrative was on these two guys when this season began. Kessler was this unknown who didn't get to play a lot in North Carolina. We knew he was tall. But, I mean, not this, what he is now. We've talked about him. We, we thought but, maybe he was like a, a light three-point shooter kind of, a dirt kind of guy. Oh, yeah. he didn't get to shoot his threes. He's going to shoot threes, and he's going to play some defense. Nah, man, he I is mean, in there. How about – how about um. How about the play where um, uh, somebody isolated on Kessler and then he gave him like three pump fakes and Kessler just didn't go for any of them and then just swatted the mess out of him. He can guard. It was so sweet to watch. (laughs) Everybody talks about getting a switch and getting Kessler in foul trouble and all that. Well, he can guard anybody on the floor. Now, Quinterly is as fast and as good of an attacker of the basket as we have in the SEC. And he got past Kessler a few times. I thought the coolest thing about this game was that Kessler struggled for that middle stretch like they were getting to him over him around him and the last 10 minutes of this game Kessler had like adjusted and figured it out like he and part of it was the zone but like he figured out each player Shackelford Quinterly how to defend them so I'm cool with both let's go so I'm, I'm looking at the stats over here because Walker's just had another great game with he said eight blocks right so we've played how many games now what's our record 21 and one, correct? 21 and one. Okay, so this this is one game late. He's 92, the other guy, 85 on this one. I hate doing math live on air because he looked like <laughs> such an idiot. But so all right, he's taking the lead. If if this, I don't know what Jamarian Sharp did. If Jamarian Sharp played tonight, I don't know if we look up his stats and see, but if Jamarian Sharp doesn't get a block tonight, Walker Kessler is leading the nation in blocks. I he probably I'm sure Jamarian Sharp, he's averaging four a night. So I'm sure he got some blocks, but there's a chance for the first time in a while that Walker just took the full-time lead. And on top of that, our team itself with Cardwell and Jabari right now is getting some great blocks too. Some really like emphatic ones. We are leading the nation in blocks. And if it wasn't for the fact that we're the number one team in the country and trying for even more than that, this team would be talking about how amazing the blocks are. 
If we were just a top 10 team or top 25 team and we were leading nation blocks, our fan base would be going nuts. We'd be making memes. We'd have t-shirts about how it's a block party because we're so good. It's almost an afterthought that we're setting like records right now in blocks. It's crazy, man. It's, it's, and the more I look at it, like Kessler and Wendell both played 28 and 27 minutes. tonight. Like they did all that in playing less than 70, 75% of the game, which again, our depth just, and you look at Shackelford and Quinterly played 35. They played eight whole game minutes, 20% of the game more than those two guys. And it, it, it's, it's just insane. I, I want to give it to both. I think we've done it. Um, cool. What about uh, – I, 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 I don't know where to put this in. I'm just throwing uh, it in there. Re- I'm throwing rewind, it in. rewind just a bit, sorry, uh, because oh. I, want, I want to be emphatic about this. Walker Kessler will be leading the nation with blocks for at least two more nights. Western Kentucky does not play until February 3rd, two more days from now on Thursday. They skipped from Saturday already Thursday. So get your stats ready, get your tweets ready, get everything ready. Walker Kessler is leading the nation in blocks right now. Amazing, amazing. Amazing. And again, not playing, you know, as many, I don't know how many of the big guys there is playing, but it's just, he's such a good, he is as good a good of a defensive player at the center position as I've seen on my team ever, but even in general college basketball, I just haven't seen many guys be able to do what he's doing. My thing, you'll appreciate this. If I was an Alabama fan tonight, you know who I would be really ticked off at? Who? JD Davison is soft <laughs> as can be. He he passed up charge opportunities. He passed up like loose balls. He had zero points. He was 0 for 5. He had he had like no rebounds. How do you play 23 minutes and have zero rebounds? Alabama made their run when he was off the floor for the first seven minutes of the second half, and then he came on and started turning the ball over. So that is a horrendous. Now, I know this is only one game, and he had one good dunk against Kessler in the other game, but that was it. I don't know how he – is that highly rated of a player? I'm very can't be anymore, right? Because it all it all comes like that's one frustrating thing is you have you have players leave sometimes that didn't even play that well in college, but they're the measurables. A point guard that's six foot three or whatever and is fast, he can do a thing like dunk on Kessler that time or whatever. But yeah, I was watching that at point when when Wendell was making great passes and different things. I was thinking all the point guards. I was thinking Wendell, Sharif Cooper, uh, Mac or sorry, not Mac McCormick, Jared Harper, like. Wisp, Bruce Pearl is a point guard whisperer. And I thought about this while I watched this, like, don't listen to your uncles. Don't listen to your handlers. Don't listen to any of your hometown people that are going to, if you're a point guard in the state of Alabama or the state of Georgia or freaking anywhere in the country, and someone tells you not to go play for Bruce Pearl, they don't have your best interests at heart because you need to go to Auburn and learn what's going on with Bruce Pearl because he knows what's going on. I firmly believe that J.D. Davidson would not look like this if he was playing under Bruce Pearl, that yep. he went to Alabama and he's not getting developed the way he should, and he's freaking out at times. Katie uh, Johnson just took a ball away from him. That was so fun to watch. All our guards all night were locked in and all up on it. And you could see the, like, not fear necessarily in J.D. Davidson. But he was not confident, <laughs> and Katie just went and grabbed that ball away from him. It was great. And, man, you, you wondered the, in this day and age with transfers and different things, you know, they – Man, it's, hard. it's tough because they've won some big games this year. If they didn't win one or two of those big games, you might start be talking about, like, all right, J.D., just hanging up for the year. We'll see you next year, you know, on our team, you know. So we'll see. There's still a chance that could happen. He, he wouldn't – you're right, and it should make you appreciate this coaching staff 
And the fact that we have guys, Jabari's a bigger star than him, a highly, a more highly recruited player than him, going to be a higher draft pick than him. And he plays his tail off on both ends and he does the little things and he's not scared to mix it up and, or sacrifice his body. And just from a like J.D. Davis scurried away like a scared little bunny rabbit when Walker Kessler came down that yeah. lane. Now, I'm not yeah. saying Walker like that he was necessarily going to be able to do anything about it, but you're right. Even if he can't go up there and try to block or anything, take, you a, try charge. To take a charge. Or take at least charge. you foul him. Like, how many times have we seen in different games all times this year? Jalen Williams took four fouls in the Missouri game, just fouling people from getting those easy two points. Uh, J.D. Davidson, like, sprinted away from Walker Kessler. Yeah. It was fun to watch, honestly. I, I don't want to spend too much time on it. I just had to get that in there. That was – I love it. I that love was a it. horrific performance by him for a five-star player that's supposed to be an NBA player next year. That was terrible. I love that our biggest two guys that we were most worried about this year, J.D. Davidson and Justin Powell, for, like, screwing Auburn over when we thought they should have been on our team, both suck this year, and neither of them are even starting on their teams that aren't even that good. Very fun. Anyway. I want to – I want to keep this kind of tight. Hopefully tonight it's a late night podcast. I know everybody else has been staying up late. It's been weird that we've had so many late games or whatever, but we are getting a lot of ESPN treatment, which is really fun having Jay Billis in town. And there's some NBA guy there, which, which uh, Jabari Smith is helping everyone else on this team get attention. And they had some NBA guy in briefly. And he said, Walker Kessler made a lot of money tonight. He's doing everything around the room. He's like, I hope he didn't just make some money tonight. Are you guys not watching? Are you guys not seeing this guy's like leading the nation of blocks right now? Like I hope NBA is not like just paying attention to the ESPN games or whatever, but it was a, it was a stupid comment. Yeah. He, he's one of their draft guys. I hate how they make it about the draft every it's because they have the ESPN or ESPN has the NBA draft. Right. So they're, I try to listen to the radio call as much as possible. I listened to it uh, in the first half and I just, blanked out on turning the volume back up honestly in the second half because I was watching highlights what was the note that uh Sonny said tonight that you sent me you have that pulled up Sonny, uh, the new Sonny says on the radio broadcast now where they pull out little quips that he says and I really like it he said you know Andy Bertram said Nate Oates is in the face of the official and then Sonny just chimes in he he is in the face of everybody but his own player <laughs> you get beat when all you do is coach the officials <laughs> <laughs> God, I love Sonny. He's so much fun to listen to. No filter at all. Like, uh, it's great. Like our but, podcast. Uh, yes, and listen, it, it's amazing. It, you can listen to it anytime, anyway. You can listen to it three times if you want to. Uh, we'll go through um, our pregame notes here. Uh, Matt, can Auburn defend without fouling and keep Alabama off the free throw line? Yes, yeah, so much better. Um, I thought we did a, a brilliant job of man-to-man defense in the first half. Oh, it, that was terrific. And then the zone was awesome as well. We were consistently ahead of them in the foul game, which you would kind of expect being at home and how much Auburn was attacking downhill. Um, there were still some dumb fouls like there's going to be, but like overall, I thought Auburn did a great job of defending pretty well without fouls. I think if you're an Alabama fan or, or it's interesting, you know, we were so pissed about the fouls in, in Tuscaloosa. It just seems so like we just could not get away from it. I think, you know, it almost got reversed in this game. And it's easy for a homer for us to be like, well, it's because we played better. It's because we were a better team. It's because we drove the ball. Better. But there are some statistics you can go with to be like, well, they shot 37 threes to our 21 threes, you know. And then, like, another interesting part, they had one, two, three, four guys with four fouls, which is frustrating a little bit. They really spread out the fouls. And I think that was actually part of their strategy. Jabari Smith is turning into a foul collector. He just goes out there and – Man, just jump shots and things. He just collects fouls all day long. He collects fouls. I was surprised to see that I looked at Jabari's line 
let me freeze the six of nine from the free throw line. I felt it was more honestly, because it felt like, I mean, probably half those fouls of them that he collected ended up going out of bounds or whatever, because it felt like it was every time he touched the ball, they were fouling him. And I think the, maybe the radio announcers, maybe the TV announcers talked about it, that Alabama's strategy maybe at one point was to switch different guys under Jabari. So they couldn't collect those fouls and hopefully some would have more stamina because they kept switching the guys. But interesting to see, they didn't have a single guy foul out, but they had four guys with four fouls. So that's a little thing on the foul game. I don't think anything was unjust. I think, in fact, the worst one was when Kessler had a clean block, body and hand, and they didn't call it. But it, here's, your stat. here's your stat. Points in the paint, 52 to 22 for Auburn. That tells you who was living near the basket and who wasn't. And whether you want to say that that's because of the refs or the different style of play. But here's the reality. Alabama's not been a good three-point shooting team this year. That was what they were last year, and they looked like it a little bit tonight, and they can. We know they have the potential. But um, I thought they got they got three happy, and part of that's being down 20 in the first half. But um, and, and we took advantage, and I just thought we were very intentional. We are going to the basket so much better than we were a month ago. We are really finding this identity of attacking and then making the defense make a decision and then playing off that. Uh, you know, this is actually one of their best three nights. You know, they hit 14 threes. A lot of it's volume with them. They shoot so no, many. 38% tonight. That's you know, what I was to say is that, but actually tonight they actually hit a decent percent and they weren't at first in the other as far as they shoot a higher percent from three than from the field, at least in this game. And I think probably maybe in some other games too. They, they, they've been averaging like low thirties, high twenties in yeah. like three shooting this year for the amount of volume they shoot. I mean, it's kind of like some of Bruce's teams we talked about before that the NATO and Bruce Pearl play a similar style of, of shooting a lot of threes. Just so happened this year that we're so good in the front court, which we we talked about before the season started that we were going to be that great in the front court. But 100 points on five threes, we didn't think it was going to be like that, I don't think. No, I mean, we've been shooting bad from three for weeks. Uh, I hope we get that together, honestly, a little bit because your, your next note is who wins the three-point shooting battle. And I don't think we're a bad three-point shooting team but it hasn't been good recently. I don't feel like we've had a good three performance in a while. Here's the beauty of it, right? We don't even notice or care because Bruce, and and I'm sure Nate Oates will at times too, but Bruce adapts what he wants to do. He has this framework, but he will adapt it to the players he has. And we have completely shifted. We've talked about how we don't like this team being compared to the final Fourteen because it's completely different. This is a completely different season. And in the way it's even flowing, it's totally different. We are nobody... Jay Billis said it is not fun to play this Auburn team. And a lot of it is because of the front court and how hard we play and how much for how long of the game. We are going to play hard the entire night. We're going to play nine guys and all that good stuff. Wendell was two of eight from three. I mean, that percentage wasn't great. 23%, five of 21 from three. And part of that, Jabari didn't have like some big three night. He was one for two. Uh, Wendell was a weird night. He hit two decent threes or whatever, but he had some really bad logo ones to the point where I'm pretty forgiving about Wendell logo threes. I mean, he's, he's clearly proven out that he's good at them and they're big moments in the game, but he took two or three or four of them tonight. That was like, okay, one more like that. <laughs> We're done with you shooting logo threes. You just he didn't have the best timing tonight on some of those logo threes where you're just like, calm down just a little bit. You're playing so good going downhill. Like you don't need that right now, that early in the shot clock. You know, sometimes it feels like it's in the rhythm of the game and sometimes it doesn't. It's hard to like nitpick on that. KD's still doing like in your face threes that can be frustrating. Now, he like passed up an open, he's done this a couple times. He passes up an open three and then the guy gets on him and he dribbles around for it and then still shoots it. It's like he got it in his head that he like should have taken that open three and now he's going to make it happen. You know, he was one for five 
So I don't know. Walker shot a three right right at the end when he was when he thought he was really hot. You know. Uh, the next one is uh, can Kessler play his regular minutes and make a big impact unlike Tuscaloosa? Yeah, we we already <laughs> talked about it. Terrific. Yeah. All right. Mine is. Can Kessler thrive when T-Town refs aren't involved? Yes, very much so. In fact, he looked dominant in the man. I just, we've talked about him already. We just love Walker Kessler right now. Next one is, can we keep them from shooting open threes early and getting confident? They, clearly their big thing is they shoot a ton of threes. They don't always make a ton of threes. And it seems like that kind of like is telling the story of this Alabama team this year is, are they going to make the threes when they shoot that volume? It's not a lot of the time. And so I was worried that early in the game, if they hit a couple in people's faces, all of a sudden you get high, you get these shooters that get hot, you know, and I, I wouldn't say they necessarily like the first, maybe two or three or four minutes of the game, they weren't really making a ton. It was pretty low scoring to start the game on both sides. People couldn't on both sides of this, you know, both Auburn and Alabama couldn't really make their shots. I, I, I won't say that they, they were going to hit some eventually, I don't know if 38% or 37.8% at Auburn was something to be expected. They've had some really low numbers. So I don't know if that was our defense's fault. That's what I was worried about is that we've had some games this season where we've left a lot of open three shooters and we still left some open ones, but I think they just hit them tonight. They, just, they were just feeling it. And they were at 50% before we went zone. So like uh, they were hitting everything and they were hitting contested shots. I, I thought it had to do more with just, you have two veterans in Shackelford and Quinterly who have been in every gym, and they, they're not scared of the moment. They've beaten all these good teams. Um, I just thought they shot the ball really well. I'm looking forward to not seeing them again. I hope we don't see them again in the SEC tournament because they're, like, due. We, we've got them away. we got them at home. I know we're so good. But I feel like they're due to just keep going off on that, and they're going to have that extra motivation always. You just – I'm done wanting to play the rival. They're clearly too dangerous to want to play again, you know, so yeah. – the, the last one is, can we win the turnover battle and actually score off of them? I've been a little frustrated with uh, not finishing our fast breaks and things. In fact, I texted Matt during this at some point, if KD can actually make his fast break twos, then he's going to be unstoppable. And he just, he, he loves the body contact and he, he just doesn't make them a lot of the time. He just, he, I don't know. Tonight, it seems like the passing was a little better, like they were moving the ball a little better on these fast breaks. That's good. The turnover battle was uh, 11 for Alabama. Eight for us. Well, so it was pretty low, actually, overall. It felt like there was more than that, but I guess we, were, we pushed the pace a lot. But won the turnover battle. Did we win the rebounding battle, too? Yep. Yep. 30, 47 for us, 40 for them. Yep. Pretty good. And the points off, We it's not great, but we got 12 points. They got eight. So we won points off turnovers as well. That's been a weird thing the last few games. So, yeah, I think that was a key. We've talked about every game how important those two categories are. It's going to be hard to beat this Auburn team when they win those two. I think we can talk a little bit about like a little big picture on the rivalry right now with Auburn, Alabama. They, they swept us last year in a year that we were down. I don't think they're down this year, you know, like from like a, I don't think that, I think this is more their baseline. I think we're just having an amazing season. So it's always good to grab that sweep right now after what happened last year. You know, we've talked about Nate Oates in Alabama. You're, you're a little higher on them than I am. I think that they really took advantage of a lot of seniors in a COVID year to do what they did and still only got sweet 16 really sucks that they got, rings out of it because he's going to hold on to that for a long time but there's a couple other teams now Tennessee LSU us that have all gotten rings so it's four different teams that have gotten rings uh you know so I'm hoping this is more their their regular ground I hope they lose Quinterly and Shackelford in the off season, and we have like maybe next year will be their down year I don't know who the recruits are or what they got coming in with transfer portal you really don't know what what's going on Maybe Nate Oates will get poached by Louisville or some other school, but I think they have a really big buy on him right now. So doubtful. 
It's a great point. I mean, who would have thought five years ago, we we're talking about basketball for both schools and how important it is. It feels especially important for us having a great coach like Bruce um, with some of the other stuff going on and just athletics in general. It's really important to like capitalize on how special this group is in this program. And I actually think it can be a good thing that Alabama's top 20 they're 22nd in the net coming into today even with all those bad losses like it's good that a win that wins against them matter um it's it's in a way in college basketball that's really important and I think it's just going to spur Auburn on to to keep our pedal like keep the pedal down like this is gonna the whole league is so competitive right now that you you really can't rest on any laurels this is a special team obviously for us um but it it I love that Bruce he framed it in the press conference yesterday. Like, Hey, like we, we're, we're number one. We're, we're going to be leading the sec no matter what, but if we don't get this one at home with a chance to sweep, he, it, it was the most important thing to him that's happened this season so far. And that is the right way to view it. It's a huge opportunity. And it just, it don't forget Alabama did win the sec regular season and the sec tournament last year. Like that happened. We have won both of those things too with Bruce, but like, it was really important that we strike back. And I think obviously this year has been a better strike back than we could have ever hoped. We, sh- we struck back with a crane kick. We saw Bruce Pearl doing the crane kick out there. You love having, you know, they hate him. Everybody out like, you know, there's tons of haters out there with Bruce and part of it's because he knows he has fun. He does that kind of stuff. And you know, like if Nate Oates was out there, like we made fun of him for doing the, like uh, the handshake thing against Houston. That was such a petty thing to do. I'm sure if Nate Oates was doing a crane kick. We'd think he was whatever, but he's our guy. I love they did the crane kick. I love that someone gave them the broom and where they're throwing around the broom. I love how much fun this team is having and how fun it is to be a fan of this team. I don't, I think that's a little underrated kind of in this run is that there's a lot of teams out there that have players that aren't very likable on a good team, or they have a style of play that's not very fun, or they don't have a, a like kind of culture, like our meme stuff that's going on as like a group or like have this like kind of like coach like Bruce that gets it, you know? So enjoy the best of this. It's not just being number one. It's not just having a guy like Jabari Smith. That's like going to be in the NBA as a number one pick. And you can like do that. You know, it's the whole thing is a bigger deal. Like that Virginia won that championship a couple years back. That team was born to watch. <laughs> like they had their fun because they were number one, but we're having like, it just keeps amplifying with what we're doing. And so just keep having fun guys. Never done a lost podcast never lost in regulation, never lost in America. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's Peacock, right? That's what it's all about. Like yeah. Ryan Starrett, I believe, started that, um, you know, months ago at this point. And it's, it's been this, if you've been an Auburn fan a long time, there's this tendency to just downplay and be scared of what's coming around the corner. And you just know it's going to end badly. And you've seen things. And, and look, that can all still happen. Like it, every game, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? But there has been this release, I think, from the Auburn fan base, and it's because of how this team handles itself. And it's supposed to be fun. It's sports. It's easy to forget that. We take it so seriously, and we, we won't be having fun after a loss if, if and when that happens. But I just, you're right. That's a great point about this team. They, they, they have fun. They do talk some trash. But look. You want to get into it all? The, 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 it got scrappy out there, and I kind of love that it got scrappy out there because it, it makes me – 
like sometimes these kids are only coming in for one year transferring around i don't know if they understand the rivalry they understand the, the stuff that we have to live with every day the people that have to go to work with their co-workers are obnoxious every day. you go to the gas station and they jokingly like refuse to serve you gas because you have an auburn shirt on and they're of course working at a gas station in alabama fan just the little things like that every day i don't know if they get it but then when they get scrappy like that out there and they're they're having a good time and they're talking trash then you're like all right Maybe they do get it, and they're going to end up getting it for the rest of their life, honestly. Well, yeah. I think our guys get it. I, I think I think Bruce gets it. He just gets Auburn so well. And every really every year, he he places a tremendous value on that. And Nate Oates, I don't know if you saw this before the game, but in his presser, spent time talking about how, like, well, you know, it's a small arena, and, you know, they we hope we'll have some Bama fans traveling into Auburn Arena, too, just like this. No, no. Not at that price, they're not. Not, it, not like it, this, you know, like I think it, in some other sports, there's like uh, people just, it's about the traveling and it's just expensive to travel. Nah, when it's like $300, $400 per ticket and your team's not that good, they come in to see it. <laughs> no, no. Um, uh, let's go players. Really, yeah, I think we can talk about players real quick. We'll try to keep it a little tighter than we usually do. Uh, we talked about Kessler. We talked about Jabari Smith. Man, just still smooth. He They really gave some trouble at times. A little physical, very physical yep. with him. He just collected fouls all day, and he got a really quiet 17 points, man. And on another year, on another team, you would just be blown away by a player that can get you a quiet 17 points like that. Teams are starting to really pick up the physicality, and Bruce gets mad when they don't call stuff. But I think you're seeing the growth in his game. He drove way more in this game than he has all year. I thought he was pretty effective with it. He took care of the ball. He did have one turnover where – it was kind of, again, sometimes in scramble situations, he kind of doesn't see the floor well. But, um, man, I thought going to the basket, he, he looked better. He, he took a – there was no way he was going to get the dunk in, but he took on two guys at the rim, like two of their big guys. And, like, I love that aggressiveness and assertiveness out of him and seeing him get to the we, – we've talked about the free throw line, and then this is two straight games where he's getting to the free throw line. Um, he had a very quiet 17. Not only that, Auburn made their huge run in the second half without him on the floor. He only played 24 minutes. So I was pretty, I was pretty surprised when I think it was the draft guy came on. I was like, and Jabari Smith's come back on the floor or whatever. I was like, wow, we just had that huge run. And he wasn't even there the whole time. I didn't even think about how he wasn't in there the entire time. That's how good this team is, man. He just he collects fouls out there. He's hitting his free throws. He's hitting his shots. The jumpers are amazing he wasn't on to start the game you know this Bama game the first he's had a couple now the, the Kentucky and Bama I believe it was where he just hit some stuff early and you're like he's on get this man the ball it wasn't like that tonight but we have so many other dudes on this team it doesn't have to be and he still gets his and that's how amazing he is well and and his defense and rebounding just continues to be so much better he I, I said earlier this year that you would really see him he he has such room to grow like even within how good he is and just playing more of these games against this level of competition, you're seeing it. You're, you're seeing him add things to his game and hone in on things that he can be better. I thought it was really fascinating. He told the draft guy, Mike Schmitz, um, he feels like he's at his best or maybe it was Jay Bills. Anyway, he, he said he feels like he's at his best when he's locked in defensively because offense comes naturally to him. It's kind of what he's comfortable with, but when he's doing the dirty work, contributing, getting those rebounds, he feels like it opens up this other, part of him and I think you've seen him get tougher as the season's gone on yeah uh, you know I want to bring that up again I think that was such a great point about that that dunk he tried to get it's huge from a mindset standpoint yeah. after watching a guy like Chuma take forever to develop and, and like have to be pushed so hard to be aggressive 
for him to have such a comfortable jump shot, to shoot three so well, to be doing so many other parts of the game so well, and the one thing we've like asked him to do is maybe drive a little more, maybe more aggressive. It'd be so easy for a player like that with a bunch of other dudes on the team to be like, nah, my thing is the jump shot. My thing's three-pointer. I can do that. I know I can do that. That's my spot. No, he's not waiting for that. He's saying, now I'm going to do it all. And I'm like, it's just really good, even though he didn't get that and that he's not, he's still not like being great on the drive necessarily, that he's still going for it. He's still developing it. He's still pushing for it. You know, we have plenty of games left for him to do that. And a guy that talented can pull it off. I love his game, man. He, he, he will talk trash. After he missed, he got fouled on that dunk. He just looked over and he's like, Y'all, if I had thrown that down, like <laughs> this, we're getting some over. good looks. Walker Kessler had a, a great look in the uh, in the Oklahoma game where where Wendell had thrown him that that pass off the ground. And he dunked the ball or whatever he did, and he looked over at Wendell like, hmm? oh, <laughs> we're getting some great memes. Uh, next up is uh, Alan Flanagan, ten points. Uh, how many rebounds? He get two rebounds. Just a really solid game from Flanagan, uh, which is huge. He didn't take a charge. He didn't airball three. Didn't make a three either, but that's okay. Just we wanted him to trend up, and he's trending up. He had a couple good drives. I don't know if he finished most of them, but he got a foul call or two. He's clearly a guy they rely on when they're throwing the ball in from out of bounds. He kind of like sets up and like they either throw it up a lob to him or he initiates kind of the movement. He got a good one at the end of the half with like two seconds left where he got fouled getting the ball, which was an interesting play. I was really hoping they had Jabari in that one because I wanted them to practice like March Madness moment who gets the ball to try to get a butters meter. And you only have so many moments you can do that, but Hey, it worked out. We still got one or two points when planning went to the line. I'm just really proud of him. You know, he's been training badly and this was a solid one and him and Cambridge, we were texting about this one too. Him and Cambridge together. If you count that position had a good game and it was fun to watch and they're doing a lot of hustle plays. So if that's all we end up with two guys like Cambridge rising and Flanagan being a little lower than I thought he was going to be, and that's a solid position on the team. It's not a deterrent, you know. 18 points and eight rebounds from them together. Um, that's pretty good from when you consider that's coming after Jabari Smith, Kessler, Wendell Green, all that. Like, Flanagan, great to see him in double digits. Um, great to see him getting to the line for six free throws. I think that's huge for his game. The only part I didn't like um, was two forced threes that I know at least one of them was early in a shot clock when we were trying to we should have been trying to slow the game down and run clock, but um, he looked comfortable. He looked comfortable getting downhill. And that uh, I mentioned to you, Bruce said yesterday, I thought it was, I always perk my ears up when he says specifics like this. He said, you know, we think Devin's earned some more minutes with his defense. His, he is one of our best defensive guards right now. And uh, he played 18 and Flanagan played 23. So like that's way closer to 50, 50 than it's been. Maybe that's just this game. We'll see. But um, yeah, it's great to playing. see both of them contributing. Well, yeah, when they're both playing like that, I love it. I mean, it's just a team game. We don't need that many more scores necessarily. When they're Cambridge had a really bad three at the top of thing, but he also made another three. And he had, I think, he had an alley oop this game. He had some good rebounds, good putbacks. So good on him. Flanagan, good. Just keep going. Uh, Katie Johnson, 13 points, five rebounds, had a hand blurgler moment. JD yep. Davidson was locked in on defense a lot. Just so he's another one of those guys I was going to say earlier when you're saying how much fun this team is most teams don't have a Cardwell. Most teams don't have a KD Johnson and nobody else has both of them at the same time. The energy and the running into the crowds and the playing off of just so much fun. And he, he just had a, another super solid game in this trend of great solid games in a row. Uh, yeah. He's getting better and better. Um, the, the fast breaks are frustrating. 
I'm glad the refs didn't call that one because he doesn't need to get that call. That's a terrible to throw yourself into the guy. It, you're, you shouldn't get that call as a former amateur official. Um, he, got, he got a lot of call, calls, I believe, in the game. He did. His last game and didn't get as many this game, but well, still got a decent amount this game. And it was kind of one of those things where it's like one of those things where it's like when he's getting the calls, he looks great. When he's not, he's not going to look great. And then like there was like a weird thing where the first half he was getting calls and then like early in the second he wasn't. And most of the team wasn't getting it. Right. We also didn't deserve it half the time. Like there was a weird one where Jabari like got like underneath the basket, like behind the basket and like tried to draw contact and throw it up. I was like, what angle was that? You couldn't even make that if there was nobody guarding you. Yeah. You know? he, um, he, he did get the calls. He was, he viciously was attacking downhill. He got our first bucket of the game on a kind of just flying down the court layup. Um, he, he hit, he was one for five from three. I love him getting to the line when he gets those calls. He, when he can go six for eight from the line, that's great. 13 points is awesome on, on nine shots. That's always what I look for with him. He took less shots than Jabari, less shots than Wendell. Same as Kessler. I'm fine with that. Um, at 33 minutes, how many times have I pointed out that he's played the most minutes on this team? It's consistent, and I think that says a lot about how Bruce feels about his energy and his solid – his defense is just – don't you feel like he's way less risky defensively now than he was a month ago? Yeah, you know, because I watched it for a while there. You pointed out some great – pointing out during the year how many open threes he was leaving, how he was getting lost on defense. So I started watching it all the time, and he had his, his gaps in the last, like, I don't know, five or six games ago, he was still having some pretty bad gaps. So I was throwing out there after really watching it. Now I don't really see it very often. In fact, sometimes I'm watching him. like, don't get lost. I see him hedging over a little bit to maybe get a steal. And he never gets too far these days. And like they toss the ball out and he's right there. So good on him. Uh, I was going to say something else about, but I'm forgetting. We can move on. We're getting a tight podcast. Uh, yep. Zep, I'll just let you talk about Zep. <laughs> I'm honored. He was the last guy. All nine of our guys scored. I think that's always healthy for us. The depth just continues to be there. You know, I think he struggles handling the ball against physical, good defending guards. Uh, that's my fear. Wendell doesn't seem to have the same trouble, um, at least on the same level. Um, two points, missed all, th- all the shots, hit his both his free throws, had a rebound. Just he runs. He he did run a really nice. Um, you know, I I thought the offense ran fine when he was in there, but what he KD got a lot of his minutes tonight. And I think it was because of Katie's effectiveness on both ends. But again, Zep's going to be a team guy. Uh, you never have most, to worry about him. You know, it's clearly a difference on offense, depending on if Zep or, or Wendell's running the show. But man, we have a 1A, 1B point guard situation where you're solid with either guy being in. So the fact that it's more like, okay, well, we're lobbing the ball and doing crazy stuff, Wendell's in, and we're just really solid when, when Zep's in, it's just so huge. It, most teams don't have this going on where you feel so confident if either guy's in. And the other point I was going to make was, I think Katie Johnson plays that many minutes too on top because we have such a solid two deep in every position, but the two and yeah, Zepp and Wendell can play the two position, but Katie is the two position. And so he ends up like, there's no great backup for him the way there is just so naturally with Cardwell, Jalen Williams, Cambridge, nobody really for KD and then Wendell, you know? So it's like, I know they, they, they translate the ones and the twos kind of go back and forth, but it feels like KD is the two and Wendell and Zepp are the point guard, you know? Bruce, if he wanted to, twos and threes are the same. So he could play Cambridge and Flanagan at the same time. And it happens sometimes. Like it, but he doesn't want to. Like, in my opinion, I think there's he he sees something in the numbers or the energy level. He's he wants KD on the floor. Now that may not have always been the case this year at times when he was kind of out of control and crazy. 
Um, but man, he really seems to be channeling it exactly like we've wanted. It, it's now it feels like it's 80, 90% good plays, 10 or 20% bad plays. Uh, Jalen Williams, uh, he was fine. Didn't play too often. You know, I think he was in during that run, right? When J- yep. Jabari was out. So, you know, he had a great pass tonight that I pointed out to Walker Kessler. Walker got fouled and finished the, the play anyways. And, you know, solid guy. How many minutes are you playing? Uh, 15. So that's up. I like seeing that, but that's because Jabari played less. And he, Jabari played less because I, I was hoping to find plus minus. I haven't found it yet for tonight's game, but I, J- Jalen's plus minus might have led the team. He was on the floor every time we made uh, progress, it felt like. And 15 minutes from him, solid four points, rebound, assist, no turnovers. Um, good defense out of that zone in the corner. Just really, um, again, he does, he's like Zep in a lot. He's like the forward Zep, where it's just you kind of take some of the stuff for granted, but it's, it's great to have him coming off the bench. Yeah. Cardwell, man. I just, I love Cardwell. You know, I talked about a while back with some podcasts, hey, you know, just love Cardwell. He's, he's super, he's super athletic. Uh, the, the alley-oop he had tonight was a crazy one where he was like above the rim and like threw his elbow into it almost like about tore down the rim with it. Cause I think he was trying to like, I couldn't, I don't think he got a good handle on the ball. So he ended up just kind of like walloping it into the, uh, into the goal there, but he just plays so solid. I, I don't know what his minutes ended up being. 11. 11 minutes, really only 11 minutes, man. Most efficient man in, in college basketball. Did he get a, did he get a block tonight? One block here. So he just keeps it up. Hopefully he can stay in that top five so we can keep using the SEC stat. Just a fun guy, man. And we went on runs with him in at times. It's just crazy that you can have a guy so good as Kessler and you're still pretty excited when, when card rolls in. Well, and we got to give him a shout out too. He had some red moments, rebound energy defense for sure. He also had a one of the best skilled plays I've seen him make off of they trapped Wendell in a pick and roll or, you know, on the side. And uh, Cardwell caught the ball on the run, kind of played off two feet, as Jay Billa said, and hit a bank shot like perfectly instead of getting a charge. Whereas I feel like all the time he would have gotten a charge or fumble. He's had some issues catching. It was a really hard play. It was early in the game, I think, in his first rotation. So I think he's maybe getting back comfortable. Four points, three rebounds, no turnovers. Um, and just he's a presence. And his I think his rebounding when Kessler's off the floor is a paramount. Like imagine if we didn't have him and we were playing Jalen at the five, we would just struggle a little more to get those re- and win rebounding every night like we do. Uh, the last guy to talk about is Cambridge. We talked about it a little bit when we talked about the flaming position, eight points, six rebounds, two offensive rebounds, just another solid night from him. He hit a three, he missed another one badly, but it just feels like it's a positive when he's in when earlier in the season, when they had to put a lot on his back because Flanning was out injured, you know, you're pointing at, pointing out he played too many minutes, you know, you, you can't just like straight hustle through some of those. But now that he can even up these minutes a little bit of Flanning, I mean, it's so many other guys have been kind of gotten comfortable in their roles of scoring. It's really fun to watch Cambridge out there now just do the hustle stuff. The kind of like he compared himself to Dennis Robin we talked about in the last podcast, but it's fun. I'm, I'm a big fan when he's a backup and he's doing the hustle stuff. Like it really makes me, uh, like some of these kids get big egos and stuff. It's so much fun. I mean, part of it's because we're winning so much, but it's fun to watch all these kids embrace their little roles and have a good time. Uh, he out-rebounded Jabari. Um, he had six rebounds. That's massive. For him to shoot, I think everybody was thrilled to see him hit a three that was open, and it was a good look. It was wide open. Those are the shots we want him to take and hit. He hit one of those. He was three for four at the line. His free throw shooting can be a little iffy. Um, hit some shots, was aggressive. Um, I, I, I really think him, like he's really coming on him and KD, I think are just becoming so much, maybe their roles are becoming more defined. I know you're big on that. Like 
how do you fit in? I think it seems like Cambridge has stumbled on something, and it seems like KD has settled into his lane a little bit. We just have so many dudes on this team. That's I just you know that's the only reason I worry about roles is just not to like if people understand and have expectations of a certain kind of role. If you're if you're Cambridge and you're expecting to be the Dennis Rodman, expecting to like be thrilled with all its rebounds, then when you get them, you're thrilled and you're not upset that you didn't get the ball in your hand constantly. So I'm glad these guys have kind of embraced the different like small things they need to do and like celebrate the little things instead of celebrate, you know, don't have to have the ball in their hand all the time. So that's all the players, man. It was a fun one, a big one. We got about five, 10 more minutes. We can talk about stuff. What you got something? Yeah, two more stats. I just want to throw out again. We, we dominated in so many areas. The three point shooting was the only reason this wasn't a 30 or 40 point blowout. Okay. Uh, 44 to 20 in bench points, the depth 27 to 11 in fast break. When's the last time we had 27 points on the break? Like that's huge that we had the pace going the way we wanted to. I really think it wore them down. So huge win. I wanted to know uh, when the last time we scored 100 points. I know like there was a time early in the Bruce Pearl era that we hadn't scored 100 points in like a really long time. We were like really trying to get that 100 points and we finally got it a couple of years into his, his tenure. So I'm curious how many times we've done it in his tenure and when the last time that was. Even with great teams, it's tough to score 100 points. All right. Any, uh, I don't know. I'd have to look that up. And I don't think we want to take the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, Ole, Miss went, yeah. Ole Miss went into LSU and won that one. So that's a big one. LSU's just, I think they've turned into a paper tiger a bit. I don't know if Xavier Pinson's still out or not, but they've just, they've lost a lot of games now. They're not as big of a threat. Um, let's see. Ten, Texas A&M was playing pretty well against Tennessee. They're, they're, A&M has gone bye-bye. They're four and five. LSU, get this. This is crazy. LSU, A&M, Alabama, all four and five, tied with South Carolina in the league standings. I love how even this everything's looking right now. Kentucky's getting a ton of love. They beat Kansas uh, in in Kansas uh, last week, and man, they're getting to, they're seventeen for that four losses, and they're like number five in the country, I think, in the AP. And the next team with four losses is like number twelve. I mean, I think it's like they've got some really big wins. It was huge to go in there and beat Kansas. You know, it's so hard to win away and then to dominate the way they did doing it was huge, but also they're Kentucky. So there's always people like looking at like seeing what they can be. You know, I think they're always seeing what Auburn can't be because they've never seen it happen. They've never seen an Auburn Jersey win a national change, but they've seen so many Kentucky ones do it that they kind of like, they can envision when they're hot, that this is the real them, the, the hot Kentucky is the real Kentucky and the cold Kentucky is not the real one. It's the opposite with teams like Auburn, you know? So I'm scared of them though. I don't want to play them again. I'm hoping someone else can beat them. I hope they, you know, have some issues. So um, we kind of get a win-win uh, Saturday. I don't know if you call it that, but I would call it a win-win. Kentucky goes to Alabama. Um, if Kentucky loses, Auburn has a potentially a three-game lead over them, which I think would be massive. Bruce said tonight, he's like, I don't know how many times Kentucky's going to lose, man. They, they look really good right now. Um, so that would be smart nice. Move, this, the smart move is to cheer for Alabama in that one, but I don't know if I'll be able to well, do it. So or Alabama loses and goes to four and six in the SEC. I mean, that's at a, this point, at four and five, I'm not too worried. You know, like I know we can have an epic collapse when we can get injured or something like that. But I think after five losses, I'm more worried about like I think a four. If someone can get if everybody else can have four losses, I'm feeling pretty good. You know. Yeah. Well, and then I was going to see who Kentucky plays. Kentucky's clearly the big. It's so big that we got that win. Tennessee um, and Arkansas have gotten hot again. They have started to win a bunch of games, so I'm worried that they could beat us uh, for sure at Arkansas and at Tennessee. This is on the road. biggest two next games, our most scary games on the on the schedule left over. So 
if we're going to lose two, it's probably those two. And then like, if we're going to lose three, then all of a sudden we're getting upset by somebody. It's not like going to be a huge upset. I mean, it'll be a big upset now that we've been so good, but at Tennessee and at Arkansas, I was hoping they wouldn't be so hot now that they're our, our next two, but I don't, I, you know, three losses in the conference. I'm still more worried that we would lose to them and then Kentucky would take the lead or tie us up. You know, I don't want to share it with Kentucky. Maybe I'm, we'll look back at this podcast and I would love to be sharing with Kentucky. You know? <laughs> well, the nice thing, if you're looking for, again, the good things about our schedule, Mississippi State, Tennessee, uh, and Arkansas are all tied with three losses right now. They all play each other in the next week to 10 days. So they're going to kind of bump each other around. Kentucky's the team we need to watch for. And we haven't mentioned, I, I mentioned on the last podcast how huge this week is. We got the big one against Alabama. Another big opportunity to sweep Georgia on the road Saturday. Can't wait to see how many Auburn fans are in, uh, in Athens for that game. It sounds like it's going to be a ton. Uh, we just got to stay clean, play our game, go in there, take care of business on the road. We know how hard away wins are. Uh, Alabama lost there, right? So uh, if we can get that one, man, sweep your rivals. You're 10-0 in the league, eight games left to, to win a conference championship. We'll be feeling pretty good. I'm very, I'm very, very excited to see how many Auburn fans are in that state, and people are very excited. Uh, somebody messaged me and asked uh, how they could know where Tiger Walk is and, like, other events that are going on. I think people are so excited. There's so many people going that people are wanting to, like, do events. They're going to – like another sport, you know, some tailgating or some sort of thing, a bar takeover or something, some sort of alumni event. Uh, I told them they usually announce like what hotel they're at or whatever for the Tiger Walk, like either like Friday night or Saturday early in the morning or something. So I'll keep an eye out. We'll post about it maybe if, if we see that. Uh, hopefully they will do some events. I'll keep an eye out, you know, hit, you know, DM us about what's going on. And we'll let everybody else know. I'm sure the message boards will have it. Did you have Kentucky's record up? Who, who, who do they play the next? They are, they're six and two, so they're two and a half behind us right now. They host Vanderbilt tomorrow okay. and then go to Alabama. At Alabama, okay. Hopefully they have a couple more big ones left on the schedule there. They play Tennessee yet? They did play Tennessee. And they, beat, uh, they, let's, they go to Tennessee. That's still Tennessee's on the one where they went off on that insane percentage of shooting. So, so Kentucky's schedule, just to give you an idea, they, they still play Alabama twice. Um, they play at Tennessee. They host LSU in Florida. They play at Arkansas. They play at Florida. Um, they've got some. They've got a tougher road than we do, I think. Yeah. Matt sent me in the mail a program from the Florida game with Dylan Cardwell on here. I feel like I got a little piece of Auburn Arena. I don't think I'm going to be able to make it at this point to Auburn Arena, which is really sad after telling you guys to do whatever you can to make it. But here I am with a little piece of it at least. I'm still planning on hopefully seeing this team in March. I'm going to save some money up and go – somewhere in March to see this team play, I hope. But little piece there. Matt, any final thoughts before we do some, like, maybe some shout-outs real quick and, and what's going on? I was just going to say maybe some shout-outs. I was going to shout-out Matt Plexico for giving us some more student insight today. Um, that was awesome. And just um, appreciate everybody's continued support of the podcast. Tonight Tonight was big, and I'm so glad we got the win. Um, I just have a weight lifted off my shoulder now that we have this sweep over Alabama. It feels great. I have no idea how reels work on Instagram, like why some blow up and some don't. Matt did such great coverage during the actual Pro Bowl stuff. And then I post all three of his things today, which were fine. I'm glad I texted him and said like, hey, anything going on? Like, I think people would love to know what's going on. So he sent me some stuff. We all love Matt Plexico and his student correspondent coverage. They have like over 4,000 people have watched his videos. And I think like, cool, but I don't know why that's 4,000. And like the Rampage like stuff at Pearl Bill has like 200. Like, I don't know what's going on, but. Some other shots, people have been hitting us up on Instagram and Twitter and stuff. Uh, K 
Caleb Williams is, is, is one of our favorite guys. Uh, let's see what he said. He said, thanks to y'all's pregame notes, I know what to look for better, better understand the game instead of just mindlessly watching. Keep up the good work, guys. I agree, Caleb. Thank you. I think we've, we've proven out that our uh, pregame notes are very helpful and then we get to talk, kind of guide the conversation. He also said that he's learned a lot about basketball this year by listening. And we have also learned a lot about, about basketball just by being so invested in this and having to like, we don't want to sound stupid. So we're going to do our research. We're going to look into things and, you know, no, I've never been more interested. I've never been more hyped to eat any kind of content I can, you know, uh, be on the lookout for our podcast later this week with a, I'll say it again, a former Auburn player, the great that was on our team and is now on the coaching staff. You'll probably figure that out, but hit us with the DMS. If you want to guess, you know, without looking it up, some people don't know he's on the staff. So we're excited, Matt, anything else? No, man, just looking forward to it. Let's uh, let's keep it rolling in Athens this weekend. All right, War Eagle. War Eagle, everybody. Beat Bama, we did it. Never done a lost podcast. Never lost regulation. regulation. Never lost in America. In America. <laughs>